by making up for lost time. the best of yesterday's radio today. I'm Jake Westbrook, and my unseasonably warm co-host here is McLean Westbrook. Yeah, that's right. Don't get me wrong. Nobody's going to mistake this place for the Bahamas anytime soon, but winter has gotten a bit milder over the last couple of weeks. Maybe there's something to the uh, forecast we got from Punxsutawney Phil for Groundhog's Day yesterday, huh? Well, I don't think it's quite time to start trusting rodent forecasts, McLean. Uh, Phil may have predicted a mild rest of the winter, but that does not mean he can be relied on. As a matter of fact, I actually looked this up. The old groundhog is only about 40% accurate on his predictions. It's pretty much a coin flip. I'm starting to think... uh... Yeah, but isn't that about as good as any actual TV weatherman? Well, fair enough. Anyway, folks, with the weather such as it is today, the uh, theme of our show this week is uh, the, the winter blahs, the, uh, the, the, the sort of malaise that creeps in kind of in the, in the middle of the season where spring is so far away and yet Christmas is so far behind you and you're lost in this middle set. Oh, well, before we get to all that, I guess we have a visitor. McLean, the door. I don't even know why we bother with our on-air sign. Nobody seems to pay attention to it anyway. Well, howdy, fellas. Sure is nice to meet you again. Well, if it isn't Sydney's cattle-punching cousin from Oklahoma, Tex Snorthoff. Oh, Tex. What what brings you way up here? Well, I heard word that my cousin Sydney and his wife are having a little one, so I figured I'd stop by and see him while I'm uh, passing through town. Figured I'd mosey on over and talk to him, but uh, afterwards I had a little extra time on my hands, so thought I'd drop in on my old pals Jake and McLean. That's awfully nice of you to think of us. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, what do you mean by uh, passing through town? Where, where are you heading exactly? Oh, shucks. Well, you see, every winter I take a week or two off at the ranch and I head up to Alberta, Canada. Alberta? That's not exactly most people's idea of a winter getaway. Yeah, most people usually go someplace warm for a winter vacation. That's exactly correct, partner. You see, everybody and their mother comes down to the southwest where I live in the winter to get away from the cold. But where do you think the folks who live down there all the time want to go? Up north to the cold. <laughs> we spend all summer sweating in the heat, so when it comes around February time, I... I get to pining for some of that solid precipitation you fellers got up north. I'm, uh, I'm something of a reverse snowbird, you see. Well, I guess that makes sense, but sorry, we, we don't really have much snow around here at the moment. We had feet of it a couple weeks ago, but it's all really melted. Well, that's okay. That's right fine. That's fine. Old Petroleum and I, we always head up into the hills for the best snow anyway, so won't be putting this out much. Old Petroleum? Yeah, that's my horse. Oh, of course. Uh, we'll talk more in just a minute, but i got to get the show started. Uh, up first, we have some songs about uh, traveling. Traveling to, uh, to warm, exotic locations to beat the winter blast. So here we go. Hey, uh, not to put you all out or anything, but uh, i got a cheek full of chew here. Uh, where do you keep your spittoon? Uh, what? was on the Isle of Capri that I found her 
Beneath the shade of an old walnut tree I can still see the flowers blooming around her Where we met on the Isle of Capri She was as sweet as a rose at the dawning But somehow fate hadn't met her for me And though I sailed with the tide in the morning Still my heart's on the Isle of Capri Summertime was nearly over Blue Italian sky above I said, lady, I'm a rover Can you spare a sweet word of love? She whispered softly, it's best not to linger And then as I kissed her hand, I could see She wore a lovely meatball on her finger Twas goodbye at the Villa Capri Summertime was nearly over Blue Italian sky above I said, lady, I'm a rover Can you spare a fine word of love? She whispered softly, it's best not to linger And then as I kissed her hand, I could see She wore a plain golden ring on her finger Twas goodbye on the Isle of Capri Twas goodbye on the Isle of Capri. Twas goodbye on the Isle of Capri. Doesn't let you come in. Managua, Nicaragua is a heavenly place. You ask a senorita for a lethal embrace. She answers you, caramba, scramba, bomberito. In Managua, Nicaragua, that's no. I have been to many tropic ports. I might include even Brooklyn. If you're ever feeling out of sorts, I'd like to recommend a look in. Managua, Nicaragua, what a wonderful spot There's coffee and bananas and the temperature hot So take a trip and on a ship go sailing away Across the agua to Managua, Nicaragua, ole Ole, ole Across the agua to Managua, Nicaragua, ole
is a beautiful town. You buy a hacienda for a few pesos down. You give it to the lady you are trying to win. But her papa doesn't let you come in. Managua, Nicaragua is a heavenly place. You ask a senorita for a lethal embrace. She answers you, caramba, scramba, bomberito. In Managua, Nicaragua, that's no. Every day is made for playing fun. Cause every day is fiesta. And they work from 12 o'clock to 1. Minus an hour for siesta. Managua, Nicaragua, what a wonderful spot. There's coffee and bananas and the temperature hot. So take a trip and on a ship go sailing away across the aqua to Managua, Nicaragua. Ole, ole, ole. Across the aqua to Managua, Nicaragua. Ole. Thank you. 
quite cold seven ways. Take a Western Airlines sunbreak in Las Vegas. Two ways, traps, two line away, don't pay double the feeling. Hotel pools that look like lakes. Lake Mead, where the fish practically bite without bait. Fun and games on a grand scale. And a wild nightlife with the biggest names in show business to entertain you. Take a week. Take two if you can. But take a Western Airlines sunbreak in Las Vegas. You deserve it. Las Vegas. One of seven sunbreak cities to help you fight cold seven ways this winter. Your travel agent is the doctor. Call him or Western Airlines for a free consultation today.
Madrid, Madrid, where is my love? Why did you let me leave my love at the airport? Sunny Spain. I had two hours to catch a plane. I was lonely as I could be until a senorita smiled at me. There was music and sweet guitars, and in her eyes were a million stars. She was lovely beyond compare, and in that moment I had learned to care. She was to me a serenade. A melody that my heart had played But all too soon I had to go She understood that I loved her so I waved goodbye, she waved goodbye And from my window I could see her cry I went away, and when I did I left my heart with her in old Madrid She waved goodbye And from my window I could see her cry I went away And when I did I left my heart with her in old Madrid 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 Please tell my love That she all I'm dreaming of Watch the sunrise on a tropical See the pyramids along the Nile Just remember, darling, all the while You belong to me See the marketplace in old Algiers Send me photographs and suits Just remember when a dream appears You belong to me I'd be so alone without you
lie the ocean in a silver plain. See the jungle when it's wet with rain. Just remember till you're home again. You belong. Washington, wouldn't you? Sure. And Tide'll give it to you every time. Reason we're so positive about that is we've proved it in the laboratory. There isn't a soap sold today we haven't tested against Tide, and that probably includes any soap you've ever used yourself. Well, the results read like this. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any other washing product sold throughout America. Of course, millions of you women have proved that right in your own washing machines. But where our results are in facts and figures, yours are in those cleaner overalls the kids romp around in. The cleaner towels you stack away each wash day. So put your clothes in those wonderful Tide suds. Then wring them, rinse them, and hang up the cleanest wash in town. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. You get the cleanest wash in town with T-I-D-E Tide. Welcome back to Yesterday Today. We're playing some uh, some programming to sort of uh, beat the winter blues as we've uh, we've just gotten paid a visit by our janitor Sydney's cousin, Tex Snorthoff. He's apparently visiting up north for the winter. So, Tex, you're telling us you bring your horse with you when you go looking for snow up in the north? Well, sure enough, old Petroleum is just like me. <laughs> Two peas in a pod, me and that horse. He also loves taking a break from the southern sun, coming up here to the cold and the snow. Although, you don't have much snow here. We're going to have to keep moving. Besides, how else can I go skiing without bringing my horse? Yeah, I guess you raise a good point there. Um, uh, okay, I'm sorry, but how does a how does a horse factor into into skiing? Yeah, well, don't I look foolish? I ought to explain that. Uh, you see, Petroleum and I, we've invented ourselves a new kind of skin. 
You see, uh, I never got much skiing experience down Oklahoma way, so skiing down giant mountains never seemed all that appealing to me. So instead, what I do is I tie a rope off to the saddle, and petroleum pulls me as I ski along behind him. That is certainly an original way to go about it. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, you folks wouldn't happen to know where I could buy a thermos, would ya? Uh, I imagine at any of the stores in town, what do you need a thermos for? You gonna take some hot chocolate or something up to Canada with you? Oh, no, no. You see, uh, every year I bring my girl Daisy back home a couple of authentic snowballs from up north. A thermos is the only way I've been able to keep them from melting. <laughs> uh, first time I did this, I uh, tried to mail them back to her. That didn't go well. Oh, all right. Well, we'll make sure you get a thermos. Up next on the show, folks, uh, inspired by Tex over here, let's let's take a visit out west with our good friend Jimmy Stewart as the Six Shooter. In a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the Six Shooter, just one of many fine programs brought to you each week on NBC. Tomorrow night, there's top comedy entertainment with The Bob Hope Show, The Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, and Can You Top This with Senator Ford. Bob Hope delivers rapid-fire comedy routines, while Phil Harris and Alice Faye bring both mirth and music. It's a great Friday night lineup of comedy programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as The Sick Shooter. saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle unmarked. People call them both the sick shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the sick shooter. A transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. I'd known the Harcourt brothers a good many years. First time I passed through Harness Creek, they were just youngsters. Of course, that was before their pa died. But Cash Harcourt, he, he was all of 26 now, and a great big star on his vest, and a Colt 45 stuck in his belt. It seemed funny to think of him as a town sheriff. Well, not that he didn't look the part, but I, I couldn't help remembering him when his legs weren't long enough to reach the stirrups of the pony. Lex Harcourt, he wasn't quite so grown up. He must be about 20 or so. He sure tried to appear older, though. A great big mustache sprawling across his upper lip and a kind of a swagger when he walked. But in spite of all his trying to be old and everything, he was still Cash Harcourt's kid brother, and everybody knew it. Well, anyway, the reason I came into Harness Creek was I was going to sign up for the Silver Spur cattle drive down in New Mexico. Only trouble was I hit town a week or so early. Silver Spur outfit is still out in the range, so... While I was waiting, I stopped off with the Harcourt boys and their aunt, Mrs. Petrie. She kept house for them. 
There now. More fritters, Fritz? Oh, no, no, no. Thanks, Miss Petrie. I've had my share. You cash? I'm full up too, Aunt Bess. No need to ask you, Lex. Ah, there you are. That's the last of them. Ah, well. <laughs> now, Aunt Bess, you know the only reason I take seconds is so you won't have to throw the food away. Uh-huh. <laughs> seconds? <laughs> Seems to me that's about his fourth helping the fritters, ain't it, Brett? No. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know, Cash. I'm not for certain. I sort of lost count ever about the, after the third time he stuck that plate out. <laughs> Big growing boy like him. I guess he's bound to stow away a lot of grub. Mm, well, now, I wouldn't josh about my growing so much if I was you, Cash. Just give me another inch or so, and I'll be ready to trim you down to size. No, 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 hush, both of you. Fritz here will think you two are serious. Oh, don't worry about that, Miss Petrie. They've been talking about fighting each other for the last ten years, but whenever there's a real scrap, somehow the Harcourt brothers usually manage to wind up on the same side. Well, uh, I, I wouldn't count on that, Brett. You know, Lex has been getting pretty feisty late here. I may have to take him down a peg or two. Yeah? Well, now, let me tell you that there's just one thing that's kept me from cleaning your plow long before this. Oh? The minute I was to start something, like as not, you'd throw me in jail. No, I guess I'd have to, wouldn't I? For your own safety. Mm-hmm. Well, if I was ever to slug you back, you just might not be around afterwards. Tell about it. Well, now, if that's... you what... just stop this foolishness. <laughs> Get out of my kitchen, all three of okay, you. Okay, The idea of brothers talking like that. Well, go along now. Go along, or I'll show you who's the real boss of this family. <laughs> you know, Britt, I wouldn't be surprised if you could. I don't doubt it for a minute, Kat. Not for a minute. And you too, Lex. There ain't another mouthful of food left to eat. All right, Aunt Bess. Right. I, I'd be real pleased to help you with those dishes, Miss Petrie. Oh, you think I want some man breaking up my fancy china? No, thank you. You just wait there in the sitting room with the boys, and I'll join you just as soon as I give these things a lick and a promise. Your answer is a fine woman, Kay. Yeah. I don't know what we do that here, Britt. Lex don't even remember our ma, and, well, I just sort of recollect her real faint-like. It was Aunt Bess who brung us up to all intents and purposes. Yeah. Well, sit down, Brett. You sit down? Yeah. Well, what are you so fidgety for, Lex? If you're going calling on Hannah Joseph again tonight, no cause to act sheepish about it. I ain't going calling. Uh, Cash? Yeah? Well, Britt and me was talking this afternoon, and he says... Well, he thinks that maybe I can sign up for the Silver Spur Drive. Is that so? Well, it stands to reason. They'll probably be needing all the extra hands they can get. Hey, ain't that how you figured, Britt? Yeah, it usually works out that way. Yeah, well, you ain't going on no cattle drive, Lex, so just get that idea out of your head. I don't see why not. Because I said so, that's why. Look, you may be the sheriff, but you ain't my boss. <laughs> Cash, I'm not... Lex, gonna... look, you ain't got the foggiest notion of what a cattle drive means. You wouldn't last more than a week. Maybe I wouldn't. And maybe I would. That ain't gonna do me no harm to try. Well, I said forget it. You're so anxious to get a job, there's work around here in town. Plenty of work, huh? Speak to Mr. Crawford. I ain't interested in a store job. No, you ain't interested in anything you're fit for. I made up my mind, Cash. I'm signing on with the Silver Spur if they'll have me. Yeah, well, you just better start on making that mind of yours. You're staying right here. Where you can keep an eye on me? That's right, where I keep an eye on you. You know, someday you and me are really going to tangle. And this might just be the day. All right, Lex, that's how you want it? Oh, now, hold on, hold on now. Wait a minute here. Now, don't worry, Brett. I whipped him before lots of times. He isn't likely to ask for it again. Are you, Lex? Well? 
<laughs> and a little fresh air do him good, cool him off. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. Maybe so. I don't see what got into you, Brett. Encouraging him in this cattle drive nonsense. Oh, I didn't exactly encourage him. He asked me if the silver spur would take him. I said I thought maybe they would. Well, you should have told him different. Well, I'm not in the habit of lying, Cash. No. Uh, I'm sorry, Brett. I didn't mean that. Well, why, why are you so dead set against him taking out on his own? I ain't set against it, Brett. Not really. It's just that, you know, Lex is young, might wild, never had a paw to keep a tight rein on him. Needs somebody around, see... That he don't get into trouble. Oh? Uh-huh. Another year or two when he's married, maybe, and he's got somebody else to worry after. Well, things will be different then. He'll be different but right now. You think I'm riding him too hard, Brett? Well, he's your brother. You'd be the best judge of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's getting kind of late, ain't it? You must be retired of that ride today. Yeah, well, I sure wouldn't object to a little sleep, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, come on. I'll show you where you bed down. I was tired, too. I started sawing the wood the minute I hit that mattress. I guess I'd have slept through almost anything that night. Leastwise, I didn't completely wake up when somebody started pounding on the door along about 2 a.m. I sort of did remember hearing some talk afterwards, but it wasn't loud enough for me to get the gist of it. I figured there'd been some trouble in town, probably, and Cash would take care of it. So I turned over and shoved my face into the pillow. I would have gone right back to sleep again, except a couple of minutes later. The... Bria! Bria, you awake? Why... What? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Miss Petrie, I'm awake. What's the trouble? It's, it's Lex. He's been shot. He's what? It happened at Luke Fawcett's place. Cash has gone down there already, but I thought maybe you... Well, Britt... Sure, sure. As soon as I get some clothes on. I came around the corner, I saw a little crowd in front of Fawcett's gambling hall. Five or six men standing together, not saying anything, just waiting. I started to push through them, but before I could get to the door, Cash Harcourt came outside. His jaw was set and his hats pulled down tight. Eyes were staring straight ahead, but he wasn't looking at anybody. Marched right past me without even noticing where I was. How is he, Cash? Hmm? Oh, Britt. How is he? Lex is dead. Oh. He's dead when I got here. Oh, I... I'm sorry, Cash. Yeah. You know who did it? Adam Roby. That's what the boys say. Oh, it was Roby, all right. Sure did. Yeah. Well, I ain't got no more time to waste here. So long, Bert. Well, you're going after him, huh? What do you think? Well, I just... Thought if you wanted some company, I guess I could. No. Go. I'll handle this alone. Brit. Sure, sure. All right, Cash. Whatever you say. I'll tell you one thing, Britt. I wouldn't like to be in Roby's shoes when they meet up. Oh, sir, not me. Well, you, you fellas, see the whole thing? Yeah. Well, I was standing right there in the gambling hall when it happened. They were playing cards together, and Adam had been winning, and Lex had been drinking. If you ask me, Lex was just playing. Yeah. 
Nothing, Mr. Ponson. Nothing. No, go on, go on. What are, what are you going to say? Uh, I guess Sheriff Harcourt wouldn't appreciate my opinion, then. Besides, it's late. I've got to be getting home. Yes, yeah, I think I'll be right. going along. Yeah, yeah, so long. Well, I went on into the gambling hall... Old Mr. Hendricks, he was the undertaker in Harness Creek. He had already arrived. He'd taken charge. So it looked like it was up to me to go back to the house and break the news to Mrs. Petrie. I sure wasn't looking forward to that. But, well, she sort of read it in my face without me even having to tell her. He's... He's gone, Andy. Yes, ma'am. Now... If there's anything I can do, Mrs. Petrie... No. No, there's nothing, Britt. Thank you. How... How did Cash take it? Well, he didn't say much. He just went looking for the man who shot Lex. Roby. Roby, that was his name. Adam Roby? I believe so, yes. You, you know him? No, no, not well, he has a farm out south and, and a wife and children. I, I've seen him at church and places. She she appeared a real nice woman. Well, I guess she isn't to blame for... Oh, I don't blame her, Briss. I don't even blame... Well, the truth is I've been worried about Lex for a long time. <laughs> Cash had been holding him down too much. Trying to make him toe the line too much. Well, I guess he was doing what he thought best. But it wasn't best. Not for Lex. You see, he resented it. Being bossed by his brother, he resented it a whole lot. I knew he couldn't keep it in much longer, but but I hoped that when the trouble come, it would be between him and Cash. Cash thought the world of Lex, and no matter what happened, he wouldn't have done anything to hurt him. Oh, no, no, of course not. Oh, there must be somebody coming to offer sympathy. News sure gets around in a small town. I, it ain't even daylight yet. Oh, here, I'll get it. Yes, ma'am? I, I'm Mrs. Roby. Oh. Adam's wife, I am. I've come about Adam. Well, uh, the sheriff isn't here right now, Mrs. Roby. He's, he's out looking for my husband, ain't he? Yes, ma'am. Well, that's what I figured... I didn't want to see Sheriff Harcourt. I, I wanted to talk to you. Hmm? You're Britt Ponsett, ain't you? The six-shooter? Yes, I'm Britt Ponsett. May I? Well, I, I just don't know, Mrs. Roby. You see, you see that... Yeah? Let her come in. Mrs. Petrie. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so terrible sorry. Sure. Won't you... Won't you sit down? Thank you. Uh, Mr. Ponsett, I... I don't know how to say this, but... If you'd like to talk to Britt alone... No. No, it's best that you hear it, too. Mr. Ponsett, Adam, come home right after the... killing to get some things together... He told me it wasn't his fault. He swore that it wasn't. He says 
He says Lex was spoiling for a fight that Lex drew first. Adam ain't never been a man for shooting, Mr. Ponson. I believe what he said. Well, I guess that's natural enough. Oh, he's hiding out now. Sheriff won't be able to find him. Oh, I wouldn't count on that, Mrs. Roby. Sooner or later... Well, that's you... just it. Adam doesn't want to hide out. He, he wants to give himself up. Oh? He says he'll give himself up to you. To me? He wants you to promise that you'll turn him over to the district marshal at Standish Falls. Well, I, I just don't know what you're driving at, Miss Roby. Adam... Adam's afraid that if Sheriff Harcourt finds him, the sheriff will... Adam's uh, afraid he won't get a trial. That's all he's asking, a, a fair trial. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Roby. This isn't any of my affair. Oh, Mr. Ponce, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Well. Thanks, anyway. Please. Yes, ma'am? I'd like you to see that Adam Roby got to the marshal at Standish Falls. You what? But Cash feeling the way he does now, he might... He might do something he'll regret for the rest of his life. Oh, it's bad enough, Britt, what happened tonight. I wouldn't want anything worse. Now, Miss Petrie, I'm certain that Cash wouldn't Lex do anything... Lex was the only person on the face of this earth that Cash cared about. And he'll blame himself for what happened. Blame himself for not being there. And he'll just have to take it out on somebody. I'm not standing up for Adam Roby, Britt. I'm not even thinking about him. I, I'm just thinking about Cash. Well, even so, I'm sure I don't see where my place is Brit, in this thing. A little while ago, you asked me if there was something you could do. Yes, ma'am. Well. Mr. Ponson, just give me your promise that Adam would get to Stanley's Falls and... I'll tell you where you can find him. All right, Mr. Roby. I'll give you my promise. We'll return to James Stewart as the sick shooter in just a moment. But first, well, I just want to say... Thanks to you, our listeners, for the many kind letters you write to us each week. It kind of makes us, all of us, feel that our efforts in bringing you the six-shooter are genuinely appreciated, and we're grateful. Thanks. Now, act two of the story called Revenge at Harness Creek. Well, it was getting on towards 6 o'clock in the morning by the time I left Harness Creek. According to his wife, Adam Roby was hiding in a cabin in Moon Canyon about 20 miles east, so I started off in that direction. Well, about 7.30, I passed the north boundary of the Silver Spur, and I swung up the wedge trail that wound through a yellow outcrop of rock. It was more than ten minutes later when I spotted somebody ahead, a man riding down the trail toward me. I pulled up in the shade of some evergreen, waited. Whoa, 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 whoa. The fellow finally came within recognizing distance. Cash Harcourt. Yeah, no doubt about it. From 
From the looks of that bay mare of his, he has been riding pretty hard. The horse's flanks are covered with sweat, and her head was down, swinging side to side with every step she took. Cash hadn't seen me yet, but when he did, he gave a start, and his forty-five came out fast. And... Hey, it's me, Cash. Brett. Huh? Oh. I'll take it easy with that thing. Devil, are you doing out here? Told you I didn't want no help. Yeah, yeah, you did. Well, going back to town then. I can handle Roby alone. Nobody said you couldn't. Then stop following me. Well, from from the looks of the things, I'd say we were moving in opposite directions. I think. Just run, running down some tracks here. They stopped a mile or so up ahead. Couldn't be Roby. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think I'll turn around just yet. That is, if you haven't got any objections. I got objections. Is that so? Leave him to me, Brett. Now, as long as you're certain he didn't come this way, I don't see uh, what difference it makes if I ride on a little further. I'm the sheriff, Brett. You ain't got no business interfering with the way I carry out the law. That's right. As long as you do carry out the law. What are you talking about? Roby's wife is scared that you won't bring him in for a trial if you find him. Huh? And she asked me to turn him over to the marshal at Standish Falls. Now, I didn't want to get mixed up in this, Cash. And I told her so right straight out. But it's what your aunt wanted, too. And Bess? That's right. I couldn't very well turn her down after what happened last night. And Bess thinks that I'd kill Roby. She thinks you're upset, that's all. Well, ain't I got a right to be upset? Sure you have. So, you want to take Roby over to Marshal Griffiths, eh? Yeah, well, I haven't found him yet. Mm-hmm. suppose his wife told you where to look. I got a right to ask you, Brett. He's a wanted man. Uh, are you asking, Cash? Guess it don't matter. All I care about is seeing that he's arrested, brought to justice. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah, well, I guess between us, we stand pretty good chance of finding him. Yeah. Well... I watched Cash over my shoulder until he was out of sight, and then I started off again. Let's go, boy. Come on. Come on. About six miles later, I passed a waterfall that Mrs. Roby had said was a landmark. I turned Scar into a little box canyon to the left of the falls. A couple of miles further, I came to the shack. Whoa, whoa, Scar. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Well, it was easy enough to see how Cash had messed it. Unless you knew there was a cabin in the canyon, you know, it didn't send a chance of finding it. I walked out into the open, but I stopped a good 20 yards before I got in, in rifle range. I... Robbie! Roby, it's Ponchett, Roby. Brett Ponchett. You alone? Yeah, I'm alone. I like tell you where to find me. That's right. And you're taking me to Sandy's Falls? If that's how you want it. Yeah, that's how I want it. Where's Sheriff Harcourt? He's riding toward town, last I saw him. Okay, Ponchett. I'll be right out. About a minute later, he came toward me, leading the sorrel pony, and he'd had a tether behind the cabin. 
a little man, sort of grayish with deep-set eyes and a kind of tired sag to his mouth. He was holding a Winchester carbine under one arm. He looked around anxious-like, as if he wasn't certain I was telling the truth, and then he seemed to satisfy himself, and he shoved the carbine into the saddle scabbard, and he climbed onto the pony. We'll, uh, take the south trail and cut around Harness Creek. Whatever you say. Let's go. Mr. Ponsett. Yeah? Now, I, I want you to know that, well, the shooting wasn't my fault. Lex was on the prod. He, he forced me into it. Now, that's for a jury to decide, Roby. Sure, sure. But I reckon you believe my story or you wouldn't be doing this. I believe you're entitled to a trial, that's all. As far as I can tell, so is everybody else. Sheriff Harcourt included. You, you didn't tell him where I was. I didn't tell him. Come on, let's move along. Yeah. We rode out of the canyon and turned south just beyond the falls. But the next hour or so, we didn't do any more talking. There just didn't seem to be much to talk about. And then we started down from the crest of the ridge, and I saw a flat stretch of land out ahead. We still had about a mile of rough mountain trail before we hit that level ground. Roby was about eight feet behind me, and as I edged Scar around a big boulder, he was out of sight for a couple of seconds. Hey! Get down behind something, Roby! Hurry up! I slid off Scar, and I flattened myself against the ground. I hunched over a couple of feet to my left, and I got a glimpse of Roby. He was crouched behind a slice of orange granite, and it didn't look like he got hit. I got up on my haunches, and I ran over toward him. You all right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I thought you didn't tell Harcourt where I was. I didn't. And how'd he find us? Maybe this isn't Harcourt. Now, who else could it be? I pushed up a couple of inches, and I saw him. He was standing on a ledge right out in the clear, silhouetted against a great big white cloud. The sun was behind him, and I... Well, I didn't have to look at his face to know who it was. Cash! Cash, what's the matter with you? Keep out of the way, Brad. We, we can hold him off. Just give me a chance to get my car by You stay where you are. Huh? I thought you was on my side. I might have known you and him are friends. We're friends. You're going to let him kill me, huh? Nobody's going to kill you, Robbie. Now, you just sit tight. Cash! Cash, I'm coming out! ain't your affair, Fred. I told you that. It's my affair now. But I'm not using my gun, so if you're set on killing somebody, here's your chance. I ain't got no grudge with you. It's Roby I'm after. That's why I followed you. That's why I've been waiting here. If you're after him, you're after me. I gave my word he'd get to Standish Falls. Fred, you're forcing me to shoot you down. That's right. That's just what I'm doing. Ought to be a pretty easy target, Cash. Come on. What are you waiting for? Think I'm afraid, don't you? You ought to be. Man ought to be afraid to kill another man. Well, I ain't. You're not afraid to kill Roby because you feel you're justified. How about me? How about me? You you ready to kill me? Hornbreak, draw. I'm not drawing, Cash. 
Don't you understand? Lex is dead and Roby shot him. Yeah? Gotta make it up for that kid. Roby will get out of it somehow. You say it was Lex's fault. Probably. You're still standing up for him? Give me your gun, Cash. Why can't I kill you, Britt? Give me your gun. I want to pull the trigger, but I can't. Why? I don't know. I don't know, but I was pretty sure you wouldn't. Well, looks like I ain't got much choice. Here, take it. You want to ride along with us? Make sure I get him to the marshal? No, uh, head back to town. All right, suit yourself. Robbie! Robbie! Yeah? You'll bring the horses up here. We're going to Standish Falls. Well, by the time I got back from turning Roby over to the marshal, the Silver Spur Ranch was all ready to start driving its herd north. I moved out with him, so I wasn't around for the trial. I haven't heard how it came out, but I suppose one of these days the news will catch up with me. Transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burke and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Eleanor Audley, Lamont Johnson, Forrest Lewis, and Bert Holland. Special music for this program was by Basil Adler. And the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Well, by the way, you'll be interested in knowing that the sick shooter has been chosen for broadcast to our men overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Services. This is John Wall speaking. Tonight on the NBC Radio Network. Welcome back to Yesterday Today. We're ramping up this week's show as Tex Snorthoff prepares to head out on his annual winter trip. Yep, yep, yep. You know, everyone's always trying to go to them sunny places this time of the year and get a tan. <laughs> well, after working out on the prairie all year long, I'm a little too tan, so I'm fixing to get myself a pail. I'm snow paling instead of sun tanning. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. Well, it's uh, always a pleasure to see you, Tex. Yeah, feel free to drop in whenever you like. Many obliged, folks. Many obliged. Hey, fellas. Sorry to stick my head in the door here, but I uh, had something to ask you. Oh, hey. Oh, uh, Tex, this is our upstairs neighbor, Frankie Spork. He's a private eye. Uh, Frank, what's up? Oh, not much. 
same old, same old. Pretty, pretty normal day around here. But one thing, I couldn't help but notice there seems to be a horse in my office. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be a vague threat by one of my enemies in the criminal underworld or, or something else. You fellas know anything about that? Yeah, that's old Petroleum. <laughs> I let him into the building when I came in. Oh, I'm awful sorry he got into your office. I forgot he knows how to climb stairs now. I'll go wrangle him. Wait, you let your horse into the building? Yeah, don't be alarmed. He's house trained. <laughs> ah, nice to meet you, Frank. Uh, yeah. I just wish that horse knew how to climb back down the stairs once he got up him. Well, if you want more Yesterday Today, you can visit KISU.org or wherever you get your snow-seeking, winter-loving podcasts. Beneath its snowy mantle, cold and clean The unborn grass lies waiting for its coat to turn to green The snowbird sings a song he always sings And speaks to me of flowers that will bloom again in spring Anything that it would tell me That's the thing that I would do But now I feel such emptiness within For the thing that I want most in life's the thing that I can't win Spread your tiny wings